my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, Minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you after almost six weeks of long service leave. Wow, isn't it good to be back again? This week, uh, we're looking at the early portion of Christ's Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're following the theme, the radical, the radical teachings of Jesus. And today we're asking, how does Christ regard mistake-prone apostles? Today our co-host is uh, Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, welcome once again. Thank you, Gary, and it's good to see you and hear your voices again. And we both must have taken holidays at the same time. I tell you what, indeed we did. I mean, I think this is the first time you're back in the studio in how long? Uh, about the same time. Uh, no, uh, about four weeks, I think. But I think uh, we didn't go away together. Let's tell the listeners No, that. no, no. That's, uh, <laughs> it's really good to actually be able to see you, uh, see your smiling face once again. Tell us, where did you go to? Well, you know, we, we love a little place in Australia that we were very fortunate that God really blessed us because we went to Cairns. Oh, lovely. Uh, we didn't fly direct. We, we flew through Melbourne to get there. And this was going back four or five weeks where there was nothing happening there. So we got through. We got to Ends. And then we picked up a motorhome and we travelled down the coast. We went to Etty Bay and Mission Beach. And oh, Cardwell, lovely. Lovely. Envy, envy, envy. It was beautiful. We ended up uh, down at Townsville. We stayed a few day, couple of days there. And then we travelled back through uh, inland to the Tablelands, Atherton. Beautiful there. And then we ended up back in Cairns for four nights at a lovely place with a couple of swimming pools and 27 every day. You know what it's like. Oh, It's lovely. I actually had the privilege of actually living up in Townsville for four years. And uh, I I have to admit, the Atherton Tablelands particularly, if people haven't been there, you've got to get to the Atherton Tablelands, just up from from the big city of of Cairns. I love Cairns, love particularly in the middle of winter. It is such a wonderful spot to be. It was amazing up there, Gary, because um, when we got to Townsville, it was a day after they stopped wearing masks. Mm. They had a bit of a scare a while back, and they had masks for quite a while. And I tell you what, there it's totally different with COVID. Um, you know, everybody in the church was shaking hands, uh, and we went out to play state, and everybody was using, uh, going up and helping themselves, using the same utensils. Yeah. It was like it was back to normal. Oh, wow. And here we come, you know, we've still got restriction, hardly anything. It was just such, such a difference from there to there. And of course, you locked down here while we're away. And yeah. so we went to two churches up there, one at Ken's and one at Townsville. So yeah. we were very fortunate. And when we came back, we, you know, there's a line of people up at the airport and we had to go through with a there was quite a few police there and because we we're coming in from Brisbane they um, they lined us up and went through they got their computers out and then they said where have you been and they checked all the hot spots and asked us a lot of questions and then they said I oh, know you're okay and uh, just have a COVID test on the way out and uh, just stay isolated till that comes through and that was it we were clear and then Cairns has now been hit you know we were over there three yeah, weeks ago so yeah. just amazing yeah um, 
but you know, and you've been away too. Where did you hop off to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we had a we, we had a great time. We originally planning to go over to uh, to Norfolk Island. Actually, we had booked some um, so, some flights over to to Norfolk, and unfortunately, because of all the Sydney. Um, that COVID issues over there, we had to, had to cancel that and that's mm. still got uh, ramifications for money that we've got tied up over there. Uh, but we stayed within the state here in, in South Oz and we actually do, took a, a road trip and uh, we went to the head of the bite and looked at whales. Now, mm. I have never done that, you know, and then we followed the coast through Sejuna, uh, back to, uh, to Port Lincoln and then, uh, up the, uh, Air Peninsula. That we took about two weeks to do that. That was a beautiful, beautiful trip. That's a lovely part of Australia. Oh, it's, it's that, the, the head of the bite, you know, being able to sit there and look at uh, six or eight uh, uh, whales in a fairly close proximity. I mean, I will remember going to Byron Bay and you could look far out at sea and, ah, uh, you can see a tail, you know, far, far out at sea. But here at the head of the bite, there are six or eight whales mm. that we were able to count uh, just in a, a fairly short, uh, a fairly small area in front of us. God's creation is so Se- good. Sejuna is quite a lovely beach there, actually. I quite like Sejuna's beach there. I I was actually un- I was actually really impressed with uh, Sejuna. They've got a lovely walking track there. In fact, I uh, for three or four mornings I, I got up early as I normally do uh, and walked. Uh, about uh, uh, seven or eight uh, kilometres along their, their walking track there. It's really, it was actually really quite impressive. Well, one of the animals we saw was at Etty Bay. If nobody's been to Etty Bay, it's a beautiful little spot. Mm. It's, it's mm. actually a better beach than Mission Beach, I believe, which is a really touristy one. But we were in the, in the motorhome there and it, we've been there before and we know that there are two residents that walk through that campground morning and night and they're cassowaries. Yeah. And these are big, vicious, they can be vicious, these big, but these are like they actually have names for them because yeah. they're well known. And he came, they came through, and they came right up through the caravan park. And we had a banana on the uh, table. I'd eaten the banana and put the skin there. He came along, grabbed the skin, and ate the skin, and off he went. But you know, they're lovely birds. They're huge. They're quite big. Yeah. Those cassowaries. Australians are just so privileged, aren't they? Oh, like, you know, even spots. in times of you know we're locked down here in South Australia, and okay, it's disappointing. I wasn't able to get over to the east coast, mm. but then to be able to go uh, to somewhere like the head of the bite on mm. a road trip uh, to, to end, uh, spend a couple of weeks actually doing that to me it was such an amazing blessing you sort of look at you know what God has created mm. in uh, in this uh, incredibly beautiful land and I just stand, stand in all there's so much more in this state that I actually uh, am going to be uh, looking at I think in the next 12 months or so the problem is Gary now it seems so long ago those holidays <laughs> 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 They've disappeared. Uh, I really love being able to uh, to come and share uh, on radio. I love being able to come back onto under mm. ministry again. Mm. It is it, it is really a, an amazing blessing. Uh, but look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment, and uh, I just love to um, share with you something that uh, I, I picked up. Uh, it was uh, uh, very soon after I actually started my my holidays. This was the what's known as the American Worldview Inventory twenty twenty one. And uh, this is done by a uh, research done by Dr. George Barner, Director of Research at the Cultural Research Center at the uh, Arizona Christian University. And uh, this is release five. There's normally about 10 releases uh, through the through the year from this particular research. And uh, this uh, the subject of this research was the top 10 uh, most seductive unbiblical ideas that 
people, individuals have embraced today. And uh, this is this is what the research said. Uh, the And of course it's American. The American public flaunts its free will in many ways, not at least of which is embracing a number of seductive but decidedly unbiblical beliefs as part of their worldview. According to new analysis of data from the American Worldview Inventory 2021, and Eric, we'll get you in a minute to you know see how does this actually relate to our Australian uh, scene. From the Cultural Research Centre at Arizona Christian University. And uh, the top 10... uh, really jumped out at me. This is, uh, this is what the, uh, uh, survey concluded. Number one, uh, the spiritually inclusive idea that having faith matters more than what faith you actually have. And linked to that, all faiths are of equal value. Now, of course, this isn't, uh, talking just about Christian faiths, but here they're talking about all world faiths are of equal value. Uh, there's uh, uh, another uh, challenge there, another biblic- unbiblical idea, and that's the dismissal of absolute truth. Uh, there's uh, the commitment of individuals to personal subjective morality. The idea that people are basically good. I really... Um, appreciated uh, uh, and certainly agree with this uh, with this next one uh, success is determined uh, by happiness comfort goodness or fulfilled potential so many in our world today uh, do actually uh, see success in those particular terms sexual relations apart from marriage are of course morally acceptable this is probably quoting what we uh, what we already know Rejection of the notion that people are inherently sinful. Now, you know, Eric, when I read that, it's really jumped out at me because uh, if, in fact, you reject uh, the notion that a person is inherently sinful, it means that they must be the alternative. They must be inherently good. Mm. How do you then account for all that's actually going on uh, within our within our world, and then uh, they said this: the the uh, American Worldview Inventory 2021 shows that even the six percent of adults who are church attending uh, individuals and have a biblical worldview harbour many of these counter biblical ideas as part of their personal philosophy of life. Now. In conclusion, uh, this was uh, what Barna wrote. So many of these perspectives are about control, Barna explained. Whether we're taking control of our destiny, our spirituality, or the, our boundaries, our, or our moral behaviours, or our wealth management strategies, they're all about control. Americans are largely driven by the need to have control of every aspect of their personal lives. Now, I think most of us would actually relate to uh, to that statement. Biblical Christianity, he carries on, threatens that self-interest by requiring us to deliver control of our lives to God, Barna said. It's clear from research that most individuals, even a large majority of those who consider themselves to be Christian and who participate in Christian activities, are unwilling to surrender the reins of their life to a God whom they in reality, don't personally know, understand, 
or trust. Now, that's a huge challenge in that particular statement alone. Biblical Christianity, he, he concluded, is about giving God control, making choices that reflect his way of life. That's hard for most individuals to embrace, Barna commented. A faith that esteems brokenness, submission, surrender, sacrifice and simplicity is in some ways totally opposed to the secular ideal. But that is the ultimate choice that every one of us has to make. Now, Eric, how would you respond? I mean, do you think this relates uh, to what we see here in Australia uh, at all? Yeah, definitely a parallel, a parallel there, isn't it? I mean, you know, what we're talking about here is doing things in your own strength the way you think we all think individually, which is fine. But the f- problem is now that when you've got a higher power that... Uh, that comes into your life and changes the way that you think on certain matters, then there's a difference. Because when you look at this, with what's happening through, if you believe that uh, you have... um, you know, you, you're uh, you've been born good. You you don't have uh, a sinful nature or, or the tendency to sin. Then anything goes, and there, thereby it becomes a danger because then all the decisions that you make are based on what is better for you, or you think is better mm-hmm. for you, when mm-hmm. it's actually not. Because what we're going to talk about today works in beautifully the, about this about separating ourselves out from the world and how the world thinks to the way a higher power that God thinks and allowing Him to change our thoughts and our motives so there so there is a big difference between i suppose a secular worldview and a biblical worldview definitely i mean you still get good people in the secular world you know who do very good things but if it's not based on uh, god's instruction god's um, word then you know there's always something missing because when it comes to the crunch we'll always be more concerned about looking after ourselves and not our fellow man and decisions that are made even today by quite a few governments and uh, and laws have been brought into the country are not are not based on what God would do. I mean, you look at the abortion law. We talked about that before, where you can mm, kill an individual mm. right up to the, the you know due to be born. Some of those things are, um, uh, don't work in at all with uh, with the, um, the the way God sees things. And and the problem is is that we have our own desires and we we have the the, the lusts and things that happen to us. I mean, anything would go if you if you took uh, some of these things that we've talked about here. Anything goes. Yeah. So there's no standard. I appreciate what you're actually saying there, Eric, because you know one of the I've actually spoken particularly to uh, a number of uh, a number of youth groups, yes. and one of the uh, uh, most challenging things today is that there's a repetitious call for justice. You know that we want justice everywhere. You know we want economic justice. We want justice for uh, those who are um, you know racial justice. It's it's a repetitious call in so many areas, and I've spoken to young. people people about this and uh, I've sort of said you know hey how do you how do you respond to this and most of the young people I've spoken to have simply said hey this is a good thing we need justice in this world and of course uh, uh, my next question has, has always been well you know do you think we're going to get justice in this world and that often gets a good a good response and a good discussion uh, from the from the youth group uh, but of course they're thinking in terms of you know, through 
politics, mm. it's possible to get justice in our world. Mm. Now, the the real challenge, and I I put this to the to the youth groups that I've spoken to, and uh, I said, hey, th- what that doesn't account for is the issue of sin. Because biblically, what the scriptures teach us is that you and me are actually sinful by nature. Now, that means that what the scriptures are saying is that by nature, we are actually selfish. And I I suggested to them, I said, hey, look, you know, it's only when the sinful nature can be dealt with that you're going to get genuine justice available in the world in which we live. And uh, when they realize that sin is in fact the, 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 a huge issue that is unaccounted for in many of the political rallies that we're actually facing, they actually start to uh, look at a lot of these questions in a totally uh, different manner. Mm. Uh, And it's very hard too because for young people I think it's very hard because what you're talking about with sin and the Bible, and we'll cover a bit of that today, is we're talking about darkness here, that, that do you see what some things that you're doing are sinful? And if you don't, well, then that becomes a norm. Now, when you talk about society, we also talk about the home life. And what happens there, and that leads on. That's good. It's very hard for a young person. I mean, things have changed so much from when I was a small boy. Uh, The respect for elders, you know, all these sorts of things have sort of gone out the window now. And, you know, they can say what they like and they can swear what they like in front of people. You can't say anything about a lot of this stuff. So being a Christian, you're kind of like in the minority now, it seems. And the secular, it seems to be growing and growing very much like America is here. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. No, thank you for that, Eric. That I think you've, you've summed that up just uh, just so well. This uh, this survey, I just uh, it really challenged uh, me, and uh, I, I believe it's something that uh, is certainly challenging our entire society. You know, I, I know tonight we've well tonight we've got our. Census, the census. Sorry, oh, I, census, I, I right. forgot. I had the big blank there for a moment. Yep. We've got the census on tonight. Mm. I'm going to be very interested to see the results. Does that but have do, to be done to, to, uh, tonight? No, I've actually already done mine. Oh, I've right. already done mine. Um, but uh, did you do it online? Uh, I did it online. Yes, I didn't did. Didn't have any problems getting through. Didn't have any oh, problems. That's why I did it early. Okay. Uh, that's, that's right. Yeah, you're allowed to do it early. Okay. Uh, I, let's come to some uh, some music. This is uh, Daryl Sawyer. Cast all your cares. Turn my eyes toward 
your cares beautiful song wonderful thoughts in uh, in that song uh, we've got a free gift a free giveaway for you uh, today uh, the book is actually called the seventh day adventist church in australia what we believe now look a lot of people have have actually uh, asked and uh, are interested in knowing who does actually run the uh, faith fm radio network faith fm is uh, is a ministry of the seventh day adventist church here in look if you'd like to get a copy of the seventh day adventist church in australia what we believe uh please uh, just text through to our text number. Now, our text number is 04888-80811. And just text the word SA12. Now, that's simply an offer number. Uh, and then our bot will contact you for your details. So if you'd like a copy of that particular book, please just text SA12 to 04 triple eight eight oh eight eleven uh and uh we'll contact you about getting you a copy of that uh, that book it's a real it's a real beauty uh it's only a recent book it's just been put together and uh i i believe you'll you'll get some uh wonderful answers uh to that particular question you're listening to faith fm drive time big q and a with uh pastor gary Today our co-host is Eric Horan. Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme the radical teachings of Jesus. And we're asking, how does Christ regard the mistake-prone apostles? It's actually called the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And many of Christ's most radical teachings are actually compiled 
in that sermon, which is presented to us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, Eric, look, I'm just wondering, we're going to be looking at a passage today. Yesterday we were looking at the beginning of this passage. We're looking at another short passage from this sermon today. And uh, today we're looking at Matthew 5, 13 to 16. I'm just wondering, could you read that passage for us so we know what the passage is we're talking about? Sure. It says there uh, in Matthew five thirty nine. it says, You are the salt of the earth, <clears throat> but if the salt loses its salt, Saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built up on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah. They're, they're powerful words, aren't they, they Eric? Are. Yeah, but, they are. But, you know, they re- really um, raise quite a number of questions. You know, how can Christ say those types of things about mistake-prone apostles? Yes, it, uh, if we look at the beginning of Matthew, it says that he was talking as disciples. He went up on the mountain when he saw all the people, and he was actually speaking to the disciples, those closest to him. And it's interesting here that he said, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying that, uh, he's not saying you should be, he's saying you actually are the salt of the earth. You know, <laughs> that's a pretty big uh, responsibility. That, that is a real compliment to them, isn't it? You know, it is. that he, here we've got disciples, they're, and we're going to come to this mistake prone uh, mistakes, but within the scriptures, one of the things I really appreciate is the high view that we find the scriptures place upon humanity. Mm. Well, he calls us sons and daughters of God, doesn't he? Yeah, and that's amazing. Well, Peter, later in one of his letters, you know, um, what we've got sons and daughters, we've got heirs and kings and ambassadors, you know, we're pictured as a, you know, Kings, if you go to the, to the book of Revelation, you know, you sort of look at, hey, you know, the exalted way that God a paints the picture of believers is something that to me really jumps out at me. Well, it's always amazed me who Jesus chose to be his disciples. They were a pretty motley crew, you know. There were fishermen there and a tax collector and there was all sorts there, you know. And yet he held them in such high esteem, yeah. even though they, yeah. they, um, they fell and had troubles. But it says here that you are the salt of the earth, you know. He's talking to them. And then he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness. Uh, tell me, Gary, have you ever cooked? Do you like doing a bit of cooking at home? I love doing cooking, actually. It's probably one of the few hobbies that I do actually have. I, I really love cooking. Yeah. Now, if, have you ever tasted something that was like been cooking that's supposed to have salt in it and didn't have it when you, you know, when you're in the cooking Oh, process? yeah, 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 yeah. I can, it's not the same. Yeah, no, that's, it's, you know. Vegetables without salt uh, is is a noticeable uh, difference. So it says here, the next part says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salt again? So the question I ask you, Gary, is how does salt lose its saltiness? I mean, it's pretty pretty strong stuff. I asked this to my wife, actually, and uh, she said, well, if the salt gets damp, if it's, if it's sitting around not being used, 
and it gets damp. That's one of the ways. And, and researching it, it is also, if it gets mixed up with things it shouldn't be with, like with um, minerals, but the main one is, is that the water dilutes the salt because you can have, as you know, you can put salt into the water uh, and then you can taste it and you know how much salt's in there. So it actually takes away, it, it dilutes it. The amount of water dilutes it, you know. And Christ here is saying to you, to us, not to lose the saltiness. So what, what is he talking about here? How can, if we are the salt of the world, how can a Christian lose that flavor? You know, that's what he's talking that's, about. That's, that's a huge question here. It actually assumes that it's possible for Christians yes. to actually lose their savor or their uh, their impact on the world and of course this is one of the challenges that we've actually actually got because you know we live in a a world now where uh, you know i think you know according to the official census numbers you know a, a good one third or higher uh, of people would actually be listed as christian people mm. and yet you look at those people and uh, what christ says here is it's possible for People who are claiming to be Christians to actually lose their savour, their flavour, to lose their ability to impact the world. Mm. This is huge, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I look at that and I think, what is he actually talking about here? Um, you know, how can we lose our, our saltiness? And, and uh, doing through a bit of study, it, it's talking here about how the gospel, uh, the words of Christ can be diluted in our life. That mm. what we while we're waiting for Jesus to come, that mm. we can become so complacent, we become like a complacent Christian, mm. that we actually lose the ability to actually be um, powerful to those around us through the power of Jesus. Uh, and it actually says it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So this is something that begins in a, in a slow process sometimes, and it ends up. Being worthless, and that to me is amazing because um, often you know you see somebody come into the church and they're on fire and 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 firing, but then after a while it can be that it's almost like um, sometimes in a church if somebody is on fire and speaking up, it's almost like the whole church just wants them to sit down because this isn't the norm. And then they, it's almost like you're, you're, if you don't mind me saying this, it's almost like you conform to how the church is working. It may not be outreaching and you, you want to outreach and, but they want you to be like them after a while. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's something. So what does it mean to be the salt then? I mean, yeah. let's, let's mm. define this because mm. I accept, I really accept and I've certainly ministered it for, for many years and I'm so conscious that, uh, there is a huge spectrum within the Christian church. People who, uh, I would say are, uh, some who are really alive for Jesus, but others who it's sort of a one day a week type event. If it's one day a week, mm. it's, it's a very um, uh, what we're talking about here is something that can happen to all of us. I believe that mm. we can um, that we can become sort of like stagnant in our belief. I think the thing is that what he's talking about here, what makes us salty, is doing the will of God. It's it's being part of His mission. Mm. You know, like Gary, it's like being yoked to Jesus. We talked about the other day on Sabbath school that Jesus is one side of the yoke and you're the other, and you're bound to Him. So when we become 
to Jesus' yoke, where when we get included in his mission, then we have a purpose in our life working with Christ. Mm. But if we don't step into that yoke and we want to be part of his mission and sharing the gospel, being the salt in the world is Jesus' word. It brings life. Yeah. You know, salt used to be used to preserve food. Yeah. For instance, you know, yeah. it used to be used for a healing process, for, yeah. for that sort of thing. And, but if we step in and we become part of that mission, but when we stop wanting to be part of the mission of spreading, we think, oh, look, what's the point of, what's the point of evangelizing now? It's Christ so is being a real, to me, as I look at this, this is radical type of teaching, you mm. know, because here we've got Christ. He's speaking to, uh, you know, he's speaking to religious people. I mean, the Jews in his day weren't secular people like we are today. These people are 100%. They turn up at church mm. every single week. Yes. And yet, what we've got here, he gives, still gives that warning. He challenges them. He goes right to the heart of the matter. He says, even in the environment in which we are living in his day, where people are going to church, where they're not secular, um, he calls them, he calls believers that he, he says they are called to be the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its flavor, how shall it be? It seems that even in Christ's day, it was possible for the religious people of his day to lose. In other words, the, the church, as it were, can very easily become a social club. Have, have you ever seen that sort of thing take place? I have, yeah. I, I know that um, quite a few times in my life I've, I've been in um, churches where um, they're very suspicious of anybody new that came into the church. That was really like they just liked it the way it was. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately when that happens – then there always starts to be infighting in a church because then we're not looking at Christ's mission outside the church. We're actually more concerned about how things are run inside the church. And, you know, what you're saying there is actually so true. I, I actually well remember at one point in my my ministry, I was actually invited to be a uh, uh, a church administrator. I spent a number of years in, in church administration. Uh, but one of the in one of the districts, in fact, it was a New Zealand district that I was actually in, and I still remember this, uh, this particular church. Um, the church itself was uh, facing some very real challenges, and the, the pastor who was at that particular church, he was a young fellow, so... As the uh, chief administrator in the in the area, I was invited to come along to a uh, uh, to a board meeting and to, to sit down and to talk to the to the church. And I, I I well remember just you know we sort of looking at uh, questions like you know well where is this church actually going? Um, do you have any plans for for touching the community? And their response actually sent I'd never actually heard heard the response before. It was the I couldn't believe what they said to me. Uh, they said, well, actually, Pastor, we don't really want to do that. Mm. And I just, I went all quiet. Mm. You don't want to do that? I said, why don't you want to do that? And uh, uh, their response to me is something that really stuck in, the, in my mind. Uh, their response was, because if people come in, we may have to change. Mm. And, you know, to me, that change is something that Christ actually 
expects. If you don't mind me sh- uh, sharing a little story, sure, Gary, because sure. um, some people, folks might have heard this before. I'm sorry about that. But to me, it brings this up. And it, it, it meant so much to me years later when I look back on it to bring out this very point. In a, in a small church in New Zealand, uh, we had a new pastor that came that was into evangelism. And we had no baptisms, baptism for many years many years we we didn't really do that sort of thing and he started evangelizing and we had people coming along it was brilliant it was beautiful um and then it was decided that we had a meet we the pastor wanted to to change the seats around in the church and and make it more open to the people and not have it how it was traditionally for many years and so there was a secret ballot and everybody turned up to that meeting i've never seen so many people turn up you wouldn't get them to a prayer meeting but this was about something in the church changing the seats and so it was decided by secret ballot to actually change the seats and then okay so that was done and then the next uh, sabbath came along we went there and somebody had changed the seats back to the traditional way during the night uh, which was amazing they they didn't want it all changed do you know that that pastor he had something like 10 baptisms in three years which was amazing in that little church but the thing was that when he left he was remembered by the people there as the pastor that tried to change the tradition of the church. Not for the baptisms, not for the wonderful souls that came in. And some of those souls turned out to be wonderful souls. There was people there from an outside group, the Concerned Brethren, and they were there years and years later. But he he was remembered always as the one who tried to change the way the church was run, not not the wonderful baptisms. And I think that, to me, says something. Where are our priorities? When it talks about salt, you know, you can dilute salt. In fact, back in Palestine, uh, there was an impure grade of salt which was mixed with other minerals when it was exposed to the elements, especially water. The salt would be washed right out of it. It would look like salt, but the saltiness would be left out. So it still looked like salt. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't taste like salt. It didn't did, do, didn't do the taste. It didn't, and that's that's what I get worried about, Gary. As I get older and grumpier, maybe in my old age, that I don't start losing that zeal for working with God to be a salt in the earth, to to change the world, to bring flavour into people's mm. lives. That's what it's talking about here. Tell me, Eric, I've I've just actually had a on our uh, on our messenger uh, service here. Just uh, uh, one of our listeners has actually uh, just just written this in. Um, being on fire yeah. is not the norm. Mm. The disciples were to preserve that's salt the truth of the gospel. Mm. Persecution would cause most to fall away. Mm. How would you respond to that? Yeah, well, that's true. You know, persecution, you know, it can affect us all. But the thing is, is that if you've got your foundation and basis in Jesus Christ, then, you know, you can be on fire and zeal. I mean, Paul was a a classic example, I would say, of somebody that was always on fire. But the thing is that when persecution comes, that if we uh, have our foundation in Christ and we have that connection with him, because what we're talking about here is the first part of Matthew here talks about blessed are the poor in spirit. You went through that the other day. And then he says these are the ones that will inherit the kingdom of God. These are the ones uh, who, uh, blessed are those who are merciful. This is our characteristics that will stand us in good stead when persecution comes. So when persecution comes, it's not, we're not standing on the, on the law. The law does not save us. It's actually what we've built in our character through the 
through the teachings of Jesus yeah. that makes us salty. It's, it's amazing how I think this issue of persecution is actually a really significant one because it does appear that in those areas where the uh, where the church is strong, uh, it has faced the fires of persecution. Yeah. I, I remember one particular time I um, uh, I had the privilege to actually uh, visit uh, visit Europe, and I we actually looked at the. Protestant Reformation. We were doing an historical uh, tour, and we went to a number of the major sites of the Protestant Reformation. One of the sites we we went to were the uh, uh, was the uh, Waldensian Valleys, uh, high up in the uh, Italian Alps, and uh, up near Torrepolici. Uh, it was a, a marvelous area to to actually visit. Now, of course, uh, there and that particular location, uh, there's still a cave that's uh, well marked. It's well known uh, because it's a cave where individuals actually um, suffered for their for their faith. Um, we know that there were uh, Waldensian Christians who had actually died in that uh, in that particular cave. Um, but the thing that really jumped out at me was that there was a little college up there called the College of the Barbs, and it's still there to this day. It's it's rather broken down, but it's a it's only a little room, no bigger than probably our studio is is here. Most of our houses would be four or five times larger than this college. Each of the uh, young uh, Waldensian um, uh, Christians uh, in the winter months when they couldn't be out in the fields, they uh, would go and be trained to be missionaries. And being trained meant, for example, handwriting the word of God, uh, sewing it into their garments so they could travel to, to universities and then just very quietly share uh, the word of God with people they came in contact with. Uh, the Waldensian missionaries did an amazing job. But, you know, the thing that uh, our, our guide said to us uh, still stands out uh, to me. Uh, he said, uh, you do realise that the average lifespan of uh, the Waldensian missionaries was three years. Wow. Um, they said if perchance they survived three years, as in physically survived three years, they would come back to the College of the Barbs and they became an instructor uh, in the College of the Barbs because in that place they were regarded as a person having vast experience because nobody else actually lived that long. Mm. But do you know the thing that really came out of that story for us is here we actually had persecution it did actually force people to have their light shine powerfully. Uh, whereas within the secular world in which we're living, it's so easy uh, for us as Christians to actually rely on the systems mm. That a secular world has actually put in place. Well, I've you know I've been around to quite a few poor places in the world, Gary, where they don't have any social welfare to live on. Uh, they they only live on what they can sell during the day or whatever. And I tell you, some of the happiest people I've seen, and those who have got the strongest faith. Sometimes I don't even know where the next meal is going to come from. Yeah. And you're right. When we live in a world like we do and commercialism and everything, we tend to rely on the systems around us where, you know, to really rely. I remember when I started off as a literature evangelist when we had hardly anything to live on. I was going out taking books and Bibles to homes. That was the closest in my life. I really felt close to God because it was a dependence and a trust there. But we can become Indeed. complacent. 
that you know that we move on and we and we grow from that. But the thing is to always remember how God leads us, and never I, I always remember that and remember those times because people that are listening know when they know when God's blessed them in their lives, and through those hard the times that we yeah. were really close, yeah. and people and, can actually tell when God's light is shining out through an individual, and when the person is being salty, and when they're just putting on a form. But look, Eric, look, let's come to some uh, some music because I'm conscious our time is starting to run away from us. Sure. Uh, this is uh, the Fountain Viewer Academy. Uh, the song is Champion of Love. Love uh, uh, this uh, this song. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention? I want to introduce to you In this corner of the good and the right Stands a champion robed in white His height exceeds the heavens His weight outweighs the world His reach reaches everywhere His age is evermore He is higher than the highest Greater than the great No one will ever take His power away He is mightier than the mightiest He reigns from above Above. He's the all-time undisputed Champion of love He left his hometown To enter this arena To raise his hands in victory for me An angry crowd crucified This king who wore their crown and they gladly watch their champion going down. Oh, but I will never count him out, for I'm a witness of the day he rose to retain the title. Champion of love, he is higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his power away. He is mightier than the He reigns from above He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love He is higher than the highest, greater than the great No one will ever take his power away He is mightier than the mightiest Uh, Fountain View Academy uh, Champion of Love 
You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Eric Hoare, and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. This week we're taking as our theme the radical teachings of Jesus, and we're looking at uh, words from the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're asking, how does Christ regard the mistake prone apostles. Eric, we're looking at this uh, Christ describing his disciples as salt and light. We've spent some time talking about salt. We don't have an, have many minutes left. What about light? I mean, that's a, an incredible description of his apostles as well. Beautiful. It says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Imagine that being called the light of the world, Gary. A sinner being called a light it, of the it, world. To me, the thing that jumps out at me there, Eric, you know, is that Christ actually called himself at one point the light of the world. I am the light of the world and on one particular occasion. What he's actually doing here is he's calling his apostles by the same name that he actually gave to himself. That to, When I realized that, I sort of thought, hey, this is something powerful. So what is this like, Gary? I mean, um, you know... Um, we know that as we read on here, it says, um, uh, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So it's something that's got to be seen. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good do- deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So good deeds don't save us. It just says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. This tells me that we take our light and we take it into dark places. But to, to me, the thing that jumps out at me is that what Christ is doing here is speaking to believers. Mm. Uh, he's actually not talking on this particular occasion mm. to the unconverted. He's no. talking to a believing people and he's calling on them, uh, I suggest, to something more than a secular lifestyle. That's right. And, and what he's saying is, is that, um, you know, I've, you know, we're blessed. I mean, when I became a Christian, you know, um, uh, my life, we all change, don't we? And, and what happens is that, uh, uh, our, our mind, our structure, and our mind changes to the fact that there is a God. There's there's another power outside, and it changes us from within. Mm. And w- when we've got that change from within, the light shines out from that. And and the thing is that when we concentrate on Jesus, then what we need to do then is we start to recognize that Jesus just hasn't saved us so that we may be saved. He saved us so that we can take the gospel out into the world where Jesus spent most of his time with those that needed his help and his light. I mean, you look at, uh, for instance, John 1, 1. What is this light? It says here in uh, John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Mm. So this this light is the life of Jesus that yeah. changes us. That's the light, and it says, and the light shines in the darkness where men are caught up in darkness, and the darkness does not did not comprehend it. Mm. They didn't recognize Jesus as. And being it's still the light true today, it. isn't it? It is. It is. And so what this light is, it's the life of Jesus within us that that helps us to shine that light out. It's not our doing. It's accepting the life that Jesus gives us that then gives us the light to take out into the world. Christ is actually calling us to be what he himself actually was. Yes, definitely. And and the thing is, and this is what, what gets me, that even in our sinful nature, 
with the characteristic that God gives us, we can take the we can show what Jesus like when it when it talks about here doing your good works in a dark place. What does that actually mean? It means what it talked about in the beginning of the Beatitudes. Here it talks about mercy and grace. It's being different to the world. Is a Christian different to how the world's going? Yes, he is. How do you tell that? By the love and character that he shows to others, no matter who they are. You make a good point there, Eric. I'm so, so conscious, however, that there are many who would actually respond to that and simply say, hey, I have known, and they can list off a goodly number of people uh, who claim to be Christian people, but they're the people they actually ripped me off. Um, now, look, you know, I mean, and we have to concede, you know, I mean, within the Christian church, you've got, you know, child sexual abuse, you know, in the uh, uh, in this most recent um, uh, Royal Commission. I mean, it came out. This, these are not Christian acts. How do you respond to that? Well, it's covered here in this, these texts. They've lost their salt. They've lost the the changing that the word does to make us into something that's useful to go out into the world. We then regress as we as the gospel is diluted to us as we as we uh, start doing these acts and the devil comes in and and uh, and uh, you know comes into our life and we start those those acts you talked about. The Christian then has lost his saltness. He's no effect out there and doing good now. He's bad, so you might as well trample him underfoot. You so so, so now he's doing him. exactly the opposite, opposite. Which can happen. Which and has happened in far too many yes. uh, occasions. Yes. I mean, yes. uh, I'm so conscious that uh, people have certainly said to me, you know, uh, the church has become a major political institution. And in far too many cases... You you look and I've got to acknowledge and I say hey from what I'm seeing uh, that that is so true um, but it's not uh, the church that Jesus Christ has acted. Jesus did not set up a political institution that's right and in uh, fact in Romans ten when it talks about the righteousness of the Pharisees, which comes in far later down in, in these texts, it is here it says here for. Uh, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. So what it's talking about here is that uh, that we must give everything to God, that if we do things and in in what we're thinking is doing good in our own righteousness, we can become lost. It's only Christ's righteousness that works through us that keeps us on that narrow track because the path is narrow. The Bible talks about the path being narrow. Many will fall off it and go on the wrong track. So to me, uh, I, I truly believe that the only way that we can stay salty and be useful in this earth is be connected to Christ. Allow him to continue mm. to change us. If we think that we have the truth as personified, if we think that we are righteous, if we think that we're above all others, then we've lost our saltiness because yeah. we can't yeah. do anything in the world. It, it, we can do nothing in our own strength. It's only Christ that works through us. He is the life. He is the salt of the earth that has changed us that we may... Sp- Spread that around. Beautiful. In other words, we've been called to minister. We have. We've been called on his mission. We're yoked to Christ. He's called us. He says, come into my yoke and, and you know, your, all your burdens will fall away. You know, you'll, you'll find peace. So as we minister with Christ, all our burdens fall away because we see the joy of the Holy Spirit. You see that salt being. And it's when that Holy Spirit actually shines out because that's what he does. He shines out. Then the Christian is actually able to let 
It's not their light, mm. but let the light that is sh- within them shine out. And to me, as I, as I realized that, uh, I sort of realized, hey, Jesus is saying something very powerful uh, to his apostles in this portion of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. But Eric, look, I'm conscious our time is almost up. I'm just wondering, would you like to pray uh, for maybe uh, folks who may be, may be struggling uh, right now? Uh, maybe they're feeling not too salty. May they fe- maybe they're, uh, they're sensing that their light has grown a little dim. Would you like to pray for them for us? Sure. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for these texts that we've been able to read tonight. We thank you for your word that changes men and women all around the world. We thank you, Lord, for where you have brought us from dark places into your wonderful light. And as we've read here, Lord, your life is the light of the world. We need your life in our light and our hearts, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, if there's somebody that's struggling with doubt, if people are questioning God, not understanding what's going on, we pray, Lord, that they will continue to read the scriptures, that they will come to you as the source of that light that can lead them back into the light of this world. We pray, Lord, that you will help us in these last days to stay close to you, that you are coming soon. And these things that are making things shaky now, we need to stand on the word of God. And, Lord, we pray that each one of us will be salty to others. We pray, Lord, that we'll never lose the zeal that you have given us. You'll never lose the the wonderful power of feeling Jesus' power in our life, that as we share the, the Holy Spirit to others and see the changes, it is because of God that has done this. So thank you, Lord, and bless everybody that is listening tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be sharing with Pastor David Butcher and we continue looking at some of the Christ's most radical teachings. Tomorrow we ask, is Christ's teaching on murder still applicable? We really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give. Isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.